right, all right, all right. Uh, this is Alabama Politics This Week. Uh, Josh Boone and... David Person. All right. Hey, and it uh, we're, this is a more upbeat show because, uh, you know, it uh, looks like we made it. We have Uh-oh, finally that's removed... That's a Barry Manilow. That's, that's right. Barry Manilow. Hey, hey, hey we, I don't know, man. Um, I just sing it. Uh, the... Um, we removed the uh, horse from the hospital uh, this week and uh, installed sanity uh, again in the uh, government of these United States. Uh, that's uh, for the conspiracy theorists. It's been a rough week. Um, you know, I, man, there's been some tough times on some QAnon message boards, man. It, uh, that's what I hear. I, yeah. I hear that they're going apoplectic over there. They, and well, they turned on Trump and then they're calling him a, a weakling now and using other uh, expletive deleted and describing him. Yeah, it's well, listen, listen, you know, he left those poor children to have their blood sucked by the Hollywood pedophiles and uh, to restore yeah. their youth. I mean, because and yeah. honestly, how how does Paul Rudd stay looking so young? I mean, really, let's be honest. There's got to be something, yeah, I, right? You know, and and that would also explain why so many Hollywood stars seem to have little bodies and big heads. It's all of that blood they've been sucking yeah, of, of, of children after they've molested them. Apparently that's how. Or do they molest them after they suck the blood? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I, you know, I know I, I've, I've never gotten deep into the details, um, uh, yeah. fortunately for myself, uh, my sanity and my family. Uh, but, you know, I, it's... Um, it is, it is a good week. It was nice. Uh, you know, the, all, all of Wednesday was so nice. I mean, it was just, you know, with with, with Trump leaving uh, and never to return, uh, the Trump children crying like Trump children do. Uh, Were they? As they did, watched you see, him leave. did you see footage of them crying? I, I missed Oh, that. yeah, yeah. If you're, not seeing the, if you're not seeing the, as a matter of fact, I put pictures of it on my Facebook page if you'd like to see Okay, it. I have to check that out. I didn't see that. <laughs> yeah, Thank it was uh, the Trump put... children uh, crying and Melania smiling broadly um, because she knows it's over, too. <laughs> Um, and so, uh, she's free, baby, free at last, free at last. Um, uh, but, uh, I did you know, post your, I did post on my Facebook page. So your excellent, uh, column, uh, I think it was a great summation of, of what was wrong with the Trump administration and why it had to end. That was an excellent column. Oh, well, thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. I was, uh, yeah, I, uh, uh, as uh, Bill, uh, called me, uh, Bill Britt, uh, the publisher of APR called me the next morning and said, uh, so yeah, look, look like you were, uh, you were a little angry when you wrote that one. And I was like, well, you know, I've been saving that one up for about four years. Um, and, uh, but you know, it's, uh, it, it is, man. It's nice. To, it, all of Wednesday was so nice. Uh, you know, the, the Trump leaving, the children crying, Biden coming in, giving what, what really was a, 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 I thought a pretty great and hopeful uh, speech, uh, there at the inauguration. Um, you know, then going on to that night, another one. Um, and then, you know, in addition to that, you had uh, Mitch McConnell officially becoming the minority leader of the Senate, uh, and, and the Dem taking control there as well and i mean it, it's just um it was a nice day uh you know then you also had the all of the uh, executive orders that were signed you were back in the paris climate agreement stop that nonsense at the border uh you know it just on and on and on the things that uh that needed desperately to be corrected and you know it's it it seems hopeful that we're going to again restore some uh you know adulthood to the office of the president 
Well, I think not only to the office of the presidency, but the government, because, Mm -hmm. you know, while ideologically I'm about as far from Mike Pence, Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy as the East is from the West, it was good to see them acting like grownups. Mm -hmm. You know, it was good to see Mike Pence at the inauguration, you know, being gracious toward Mm -hmm. Kamala Harris. It was good to hear Mitch McConnell and Mike Mc- and uh, Kevin McCarthy post inauguration with the presentations they made to uh, the Bidens and uh, Kamala Harris and her husband uh, Imhoff. You know that was good to see because mm-hmm. it. You know we understand that the partisan battles are going to begin probably I don't know fifteen minutes from now. Yeah. But but the beauty of this country is. You know, we don't we're not so what's supposed to make America different in part is that we settle our differences legislatively Mm -hmm. and through debate, Mm -hmm. not through anarchy and insurrection. That's what's supposed to distinguish us from these other governments. But that's not what we saw a couple of weeks ago. So, well, you know, yeah, it's not what we've seen for the last four years, really, is I mean, you've had you've had essentially a, a man bully uh, that was, you know, that was there. And and really, I think that that speaks a lot to you know, what you and what you just said. It speaks a lot to the uh, the I would say the character of of a lot of the leadership of the Republican Party that they were so easily easily put in line behind this guy who who controlled them and made them behave in a certain manner that they clearly did not want to behave in uh, as evidenced by as soon as he was out the door, they acted completely differently. You know, I mean, it's just ridiculous. Well, I think, yes. And, and I think that what it shows us is that, you know, when you juxtapose their behavior yesterday with their behavior prior to yesterday, what it shows us is that they weren't dumb. Mm-hmm. They had sense. They understood the fiasco that was the Trump administration, uh, but unfortunately, they did not have the courage or the character to stand up to this man the way that Jeff Flake did, Mitt Romney did, Liz Mm -hmm. Cheney did, and at times Ben Sass did. You know, again, and none of these people relinquished their conservative Republican credentials or values, right? Mm Mm-hmm. They continued to be just as conservative, but they also understood that there was a line that even being conservative Republicans, they should not cross. And unfortunately, far too many, including our own, I'm starting to wonder if he's a little bit, well, let me not say that. Uh, Our own, I'll say our own deluded congressman, Mm -hmm. Mo Brooks, crossed that line. Mm-hmm. And I don't think deluded is too strong a word to use for him. Oh, no, no, he's nuts. Um, and, you know, because you're right. It, and it just, it, it, I think the other thing, the other lesson out of this here is uh, you look at, at Mitt Romney and some of these other folks that, that, that did stand up to him. I don't think they, they lost anything, uh, really. Uh, you know, if you were a person uh, in this crazy state. I could understand a little better you not taking a stand because we see what ha- we saw what happened to Jeff Sessions who didn't even really take a stand and he still got killed. Um and, and so you oh, know so I, yeah. so I understand that. But nationally, 
Trump was a huge loser. I mean, he was a huge loser for the entire party. I mean, look look at what happened in on his watch. Uh, I mean, he went to he went to Georgia a couple of days before or a day before those Senate races, and the county that he spoke in ended up being worse for Republicans than it was during the the, the general election. So I, you know, it just is a uh, I, to me it, the idea that they could be bullied and molded. Uh, in in such a way speaks, I think, more so to who they are and who the, the people are that they're electing in the Republican Party. Until and until they get back to electing people like Mitt Romney, uh, you know, and 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 folks closer to the center, uh, I think they're going to have some real problems, you know. Yeah, uh, I, I don't think nationally. Yeah, and I I I mean I I think the idea that they need to uh, elect higher caliber candidates is true, but I don't think Mitt Romney's close to the center. In terms of his politics, I think mm-hmm. where he where you may want to say he's center is in terms of his temperament. He's a mm-hmm. grown up. He's a reasonable person. Well, but in I'm, terms I, of his political yeah, I values, think I think he's conservative. I, oh, I don't. I'm not saying he's not conservative. I'm not. I'm not saying that mm-hmm. at all. I, you know, but I do think that when you when you compare him, he's more closer to the center uh, than than much of that party is at this point. Um, just because now, are of, you talking about tone? Or are you talking about policy? I, I mean, I'm talking about a lot of different things with him. I mean, I, you know, I think that some policy wise, he is. Uh, he is certainly. He when I say closer to the center again, I'm not saying that he's like a Democrat. He's been because he's not, but uh, when you look at the way he has been been flexible on a on a number of different issues, uh, I think that uh, he would he would at least entertain your your thoughts and he would at least give you some ideas and would go along with certain things like, for example, some sort of a health care fix here. I think Mitt Romney would be an interesting voice there in in that room. And I think you could probably convince him based on what it was to to shoot for a a public option of some sorts uh because you mm. know the the man you know basically invented obamacare that's not you know it was you know romney care uh uh so you know i, I think that it's that that's all i'm saying i i think that that's good you know, when i say yeah. closer to the center i mean we're, we're mm. essentially talking about a group of that uh, that's representative of attila the hun right now on mm. the right and then romney is a little bit left of that so but you know i i just think that overall here uh, when you look at that party and you see what has happened with it uh, over the, you know, because they have pushed themselves so far to the edge because they have so alienated uh, most minority groups, uh, you know, it, it, across the country with their ridiculous stances that they've taken uh, to try to lure in uh, the, the, the far right wing uh, of that party, I think they've really kind of marginalized themselves to the point now where there's no pathway out of it uh, unless they start moving back towards the center in some way. Hmm. I, I got to I want I want to ask you to indulge me. I want to read a little bit from your column, because okay. I think I think there's you say some things that I think really need to be heard over and over again. But before I do that, um, I've got to ask you. Uh, okay, I went on your Facebook page. I'm on your Facebook page. I'm looking at these photos, and I see, uh, yeah, all of the all of the Trump kids appear to be. Well, let's see. Uh, you've got what two of them and a girlfriend, right? Well, the, the, that, the, you should be able to see uh, Don Junior there with her as well. Okay. Oh, so that's not the. 
Oh, that's, that's not his the girlfriend same and Don Jr. Yeah. Okay, so that's Don Jr., the girlfriend, and then who? The other one is is his name Eric or something? Eric, yeah, Eric, Eric, and then Ivanka. Okay, I didn't realize that both of those boys had beards. Now, okay. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, they do look a little bit misty-eyed, all all three of them. And Melania, <laughs> is that really a picture of Melania from yesterday? Because she does yes, have was. a big smile. That on was her, her getting off the plane. Did you see it? Did you in say Florida? that was her getting off the plane in Florida? And okay. and and they stopped. They were supposed to stop and take photos. She did not <laughs> stop. She went out. She was like, "I do not have to do this shit anymore. I'm out of here." <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and so is this of the of the three Trump children that are shown here? Is this of them while they're leaving D.C. or when this they get back while, to Florida? This is while uh, Trump was speaking. You know, he spoke at the airport uh, uh, right before they left okay. D.C. And so okay. this is at that little event there while they're watching See, him speak. I paid zero attention to Trump yeah. on inauguration day. I just didn't give a flip about him. <laughs> I didn't want to see him. I didn't want to hear his voice. <laughs> Perfectly Just rational position. To good riddance, man. Let, yeah. let the doorknob hit you where the good yeah. Lord split you, as we used to say. Um, <laughs> so let me read a little bit from your column here. Not much, but just a little bit here. Oh, read, love- read as much as you like. I, I love to hear myself. <laughs> You're hilarious, man. Okay, so you say here... If a bumbling con man like Trump can bring us to the brink of insurrection, imagine what a serious fascist with intelligence, charisma, and goals set higher than swindling the My Pillow guy could do to this place. Now, I'm going to stop for a minute. Josh, that is one of the most, uh, I think, brilliantly constructed sentences about the impact of the Trump administration and the potential for damage to our country that a columnist could put together. You know, I, you know, I wrote, wrote columns for years for, uh, you know, the old Huntsville times and AL.com and for USA today and for black America web. And I got to tell you, that's a hell of a, that's a hell of a sentence right there, man. That's really, really awesome. Well, well, thank you. Uh, But you know, I I do think what the, you know, larger uh, there, and I hope people take it is that, you know that I think this the the Trump administration should teach us a very valuable lesson, not intentionally, of course, because he had no intentional lessons other than give me money uh, that he tried to teach anybody. Uh, but uh, unintentionally, I think that this thing should teach us um, exactly what could happen and exactly where we where we could find ourselves. Uh, I mean, you know, he was not Hitler. Um, uh, because if he were Hitler, we would have a huge, huge problems on our, on our hands right. today. So, so let me, right. And that's exactly right. So I'm going to go on and just read these last, uh, these last, I guess this is four sentences here. The, the Trump presidency certainly showed us how fragile it all is and how the lies and shameless pandering by those who know better can have dire, ugly consequences. I'm going to stop for a minute. Those two sentences right there. I think every citizen of our state, every citizen of our nation really need to digest that. The past four years have shown us just how close we can get to the precipice and almost fall over. We Mm -hmm. almost fell over the precipice on January the 6th. We almost fell over the precipice. Yeah, and and it it also teaches you how how easy it is to, to spread a lie. 
mm-hmm. in this country, but, but through various means. I mean, it, you know, it has taught some some lessons to people, uh, both good and bad here. And I think that one of the things that we need to recognize is how easy it is for people with bad intentions to spread lies outrageous, stupid, ridiculous, nonsense lies that you would look at and think, God, why in the hell would anybody believe that? Millions of people believed it. Millions of people believe some of these lies. That's right. So the final two sentences, and I know we got to get out of here so we can get uh, Dr. Milton Brown in our guest, but uh, final two sentences. So maybe there is no real lesson from the Trump presidency, at least not one beyond don't elect unprepared racists to lead the free world. And maybe the only things we're supposed to do now are the things we should have been doing all along. Never take voting or normalcy or intelligence or basic human decency for granted. Again, thoughts that we all as Americans, and I would say especially those of us in red states like this one, Alabama, we need to ruminate on these on these sentences, these thoughts. Well done, my man. Well oh, done. Well, thank you. And uh, listen, if uh, if you would like to book me for your TED Talk or for your cameo <laughs> appearances, I am available. Uh, and uh, no, uh, listen, I, I, I do really appreciate it. But it, it's just, you know, I, I think that people do need to take that, uh, you know, to, to heart. And I think that people need to, to think about what's going on these last four years. And, you know, if you were a person that were sitting sitting by watching what took place on the sixth and thought, oh my God, that's 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 not good. What led to that, no matter how you feel about the involvement of the president, you know, in inciting a riot or whether or not he should be charged, you have to admit that the lies that he and others told, and they were outright lies, and they knew them to be lies, and they still know them to be lies about the election fraud in this country. That's what led to that. That's what led to the anger. That's what led to the frustration. Those people had no other motivation other than the lies that they were fed because nothing else for all of those people, nothing else is wrong with them. They weren't oppressed in any way that none of their rights had been taken away. Nothing had happened to those people to to prompt such a thing other than the lies that were told leading up to that event over the course of several weeks. And it was done by Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley and Mo Brooks and Tommy Tuberville uh, and uh, John Merrill got involved in it. Uh, Steve Marshall got involved in it. You know what? And they're all to blame for that. But, but can we make a distinction? Can we make a, a distinction between those who are directly involved in incitement and those who, while they may have taken a position that was absolutely based on lies and misinformation, the path they chose was at least a constitutionally sanctioned one. You know, the, the people who challenged the electors, they did, they, they no. weren't doing anything outside of the Constitution. They had I, a way I, I to do that. I understand that. I understand, I understand yeah. your point, but yeah. at the same time, this didn't happen in a vacuum, okay? Oh, no. This didn't no, happen, no, no. Yeah. Uh, you know, this didn't yeah. happen with, without other things going on. And at the same time, these people were saying these things, like John Merrill on this podcast saying mm-hmm. things, and mm-hmm. Steve Marshall filing his lawsuit. Mm-hmm. Uh, other things were happening, all right? Uh, court mm-hmm. cases all across this country challenging the very things that they were arguing about took place. And in those court cases, the people involved admitted or was shown that there was no evidence of any of these things happening. As a matter of fact, in this state, in this state, we changed the laws the same way that Steve Marshall and John Merrill were complaining about in other states. 
That's and so I can't. To me, is it lesser than what they did at some of the events? Yes, it's less. It's less so, but I still think there is plenty of blame for those people that that knowingly spread these falsehoods. They deserve the very criticism that you have been giving them and that I have been giving them. But the difference is. They 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 did what they did within the parameters of the law and within the parameters of what we of the constitutional concept of free speech. Yeah. I, okay? I don't think they should be. I don't think there should be criminal charges for those people. Let me get that right, right there. But right. Uh, and so for some of the other ones, I think there ought to be criminal charges. Oh, absolutely. But, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, you know, Trump, I, I, yeah, Trump we, and we both agree on that. need to go. They need to do some time. They yeah, need to I, do yeah. time for what they did, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but the others, they don't need to do time, but they need to face political consequences for what yes. they did. 100% agree. 100% agree. So, yeah, I think so. So, look, we always come back around. You know, we always get there. We always get to the same spot. Uh, all right. Uh, we, we need to get Dr. Milton Brown in here. Back in a minute. Welcome back to Alabama Politics This Week. Josh Moon and I'm David Person, of course, with Josh here. And we are very privileged, I think, to have one of the leading scientific and medical minds on the issue of uh, infectious disease and the implications, the scientific and clinical implications of dealing with it. Uh, I have to say that this gentleman is someone that I have known for almost 40 years. <laughs> and, and, and when I first got to know him, he was a, um, before he was a brilliant, world-renowned medical scientist, he was a uh, slice and dice point guard uh, on the court. That's what I remember about Milt. He was, uh, he was dropping dimes and had handles and everything, Josh. Uh, but, oh, nice. but now he's applying those skills uh, to science in a way that will benefit humanity. Dr. Milton Brown uh, has made history in the state of Alabama, being the first African-American Ph.D. in organic chemistry to graduate from UAB. Uh, he's got a medical degree from the University of Virginia, and uh, he also is only one of a few scientists, physician scientists, that uh, hold both an MD and a PhD in synthetic chemistry. Uh, I could go on and on. He's an elected fellow of the National Academy of Inventors with with over 40 patents in his name. He's authored over 100 peer-reviewed publications. He's got uh, uh, invented drugs that are in clinical trials. And currently, Josh, he is the professor of practice in the College of Science and director of the Center for Drug Discovery at George Mason University. And that's going to really play a key role in what we talk about today, because one of the things that that Milt is working on is uh, he's looking at uh, emerging and help me out here, Milt, if I got the, if I get this wrong, but you're looking at. Uh, therapeutic drugs that can address infectious diseases such as COVID-19. Is that not correct? Exactly. We are. Mm -hmm. We have live 
live COVID virus in our in our uh, BSL three lab and and uh, looking for ways to to uh, inhibit uh, inhibit that virus so that we can be safe. All right. So, with all of that being said, uh, I'm I'm happy and personally very proud to introduce my friend. Uh, the world-renowned scientist and also, uh, uh, also uh, historically speaking, a great point guard, Milton Brown. Good to see you, Milton. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dave. It's, it's an honor to be here, and nice to meet you, Josh. Uh, thank you for this platform. Uh, we we want to talk about some of the things that that are key to this day in regards to to the vaccine and things. And I hope we can have a nice conversation about the virus, about the vaccine and, and uh, some of the things that will help our community as we uh, push forward to try to eradicate this from our community. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I really appreciate it. And, and listen to that list of credentials. It's, it's nice to have you on and good to know that between us, we have 40 patents. <laughs> uh, so it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, between the three of us, we have forty patents and uh, uh, and, and a couple of uh, terminal degrees. We're on a roll here. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah between, uh, I think you had, uh, I think you listed off three degrees. So between all of us here, I think we have five degrees. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so let's let's get started here, uh, Mel. I want to start by asking you uh, probably a fairly obvious question. Uh, we've just experienced the inauguration of a new president and what appears to be a change in tone and and practice in terms of how the government is going to look at addressing COVID-19. As a scientist, do you feel better about uh, the direction uh, uh, President Biden seems to be taking us in, or do you have uh, still lingering concerns about that? Dave, I, I'm breathing fresh air again. I, I mean, I my cons, my concern has been that um, the that the FDA, the CDC, and the NIH and and uh, HHS, uh, because of certain appointments, uh, have been compromised in in in, in certain ways. And it, I'm just thankful that 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 President Biden. Uh, has decided to bring a cabinet level uh, uh, officer for science uh, and and for for science and, and you know the medical development into the the White House cabinet. So that's that's a first sign of relief. Um, the second sign is that now we need to really critically develop a national policy, Dave. We we don't have a national policy in regards to how we're going to defend ourselves against this virus, whether it's um, mass mandates or closures that are scheduled. And we have the proper protection as far as giving people uh, financial assistance that they will need to get through to get through that, that period. Um, it's going to take those kind of Herculean efforts, uh, which I, I, I'm just prayerful that, 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 uh, that President Biden will 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 begin his begin his uh, his his tenure. Um, as regards to how I feel about um, what has happened, um, 
I, I'm just saddened that science was removed from this whole uh, process. Um, it, it has caused, because of that, it has caused us to now be really, really uh, under, under the gun when it comes to COVID-19. If we had done something in a methodical and a, a bold uh, uh, method during uh, last last February or last January, February, um, we, we, we would definitely not be in this situation where 400,000 people, United States citizens are dead and, uh, and we have a, you know, a, a pandemic in our raging in our country with not just COVID-19, but the mutants of COVID-19 as well. And, and so we now have more than just COVID-19, the original virus to deal with. We're going to have to deal with all the mutants that are now in our, in our midst. And so I, I gave a long answer, um, you know, just pull me by my ears and tell me to, to stop. Um, but I gave a long answer because I, I, the question you asked is so important. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad to hear that you are relieved because that then gives me hope. So now I have to move into the the more challenging area of discussion, and that is the vaccine. I've heard you talk in other arenas about your concerns about the vaccine, and and I and I want to stipulate here: I've I've never interpreted what you said to be anti-vaccination. But I have, but, but I think that when it comes to these vaccines that have been produced by these companies, you have expressed some very particular concerns about the truncated testing process and some other things. Can you, can you talk a little bit about that and then also give us a sense of whether or not your optimism now also extends to the vaccine. Yeah. So Dave, I'm, I'm, uh, I want to just go on a record as you, as you highlighted very eloquently. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I'm not against vaccines. I've taken all my vaccines. I mean, the MMR, um, I've taken the shingle shot. The, I, I take the flu shot. Uh, my kids have got, my girls have gotten HPV vaccine when they were little girls. I mean, I, my, my sons are, are vaccinated. Look, I, I'm not against vaccines. I want people to be clear about that. So coming from that light, I do have major concerns about what we are dealing with in regards to developing a vaccine. Um, we, we currently, we're currently in the midst and 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 Dave, it, it, the problem the problem exists by the way it was handled, the clandestine way it was handled uh, with the administration making deals with the pharma companies before the drug even got uh, EUA uh, uh, approval, having bought built millions of of, of of vials of vaccine before it was even made. Before it was even shown, before any data came out, and so that 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 raised a level of concern. We saw that that the FDA, uh, the the director of the FDA, was told to approve it uh, by Pence. Told him approve it or or resign. I mean, th- those kinds of pressures uh, bring pause and bring alarm. 
um, when we looked at the vaccine had to be given out by the 15th of December. Why? Why couldn't we have waited to see the the data and and to understand about this 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 vaccine? I, I want to say one thing. This is this is the mRNA vaccines that we're talking about, the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines. And I want I want you know I want those who are listening to understand that the vaccines are not approved. These are not approved vaccines. These have been given what is called emergency use authorization. So the FDA has four stages in which they approve any therapy. That's what I do for my living. And so we, this, the vaccine for Moderna and Pfizer have gone through one phase one, which is safety in a small group of people, um, less than 50 phase two, which is a small group to look at, does this vaccine potentially have any benefit and phase phase three, where you look at a large number of people to see if the if the shots have any any benefit and are they safe in a large group of people like you know over ten thousand in this case fifteen thousand treated and fifteen thousand with placebo um, and then there's phase four which is which is surveillance so the the current data for the the two uh, of um, mRNA vaccines is they've gone through phase three. Well, the emergency use authorization was set up to get things through without regulations by the the completed regulations by the FDA. And these emergency use for us, hydroxychloroquine first, then we got remdesivir and we got convalescent plasma and we got the Regeneron uh, antibodies and and, uh, other, other monoclonal antibodies approved as emergency use, not approved as a drug. So you'll not find these entities on the FDA website as approved drugs. So I, I want people to under, understand this. This is just an emergency use authorization. Now, Dave, what is what is astounding to me, um, and, and you probably heard me talk about this before, but I want to talk about this on, on your to your audience. Um, the, the data that was used to get the emergency use authorization was touted as 95% effective. I mean, you heard that, that, that number, 95% effective. But the question, Dave, I ask is what is effective? Let's have a conversation about what is, what is effective. Um, does that mean that it was effect, it was, it, it had efficacy that it stopped the, the virus? Well, Dave, nobody who got the vaccine was challenged with COVID-19. Let let me say that again, Dave. Hmm. No one who got the Pfizer vaccine or the Moderna vaccine were challenged with COVID-19. They were given the shots and they were sent home with their masks. And the comparison here was kind of trying to kind of trying to pick pick uh, 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 flowers among thorns is that we, we, since no one was, since no one was challenged with the vaccine, then you really have to deduce that the vaccine might be effective by looking at patients who didn't get the vaccine and those that did and seeing if you had a much higher incidence. Well, that's where they came up with this 95% 
effective. It's not 95% stopping COVID-19. That's what I think when we see that name effective, we start interchanging our own thoughts about what effective is. And I want you to understand that this, these shots have never been challenged with COVID-19. So that means like with the flu, you know, we would put several thousand students in hotel rooms over a certain period of time, pay them two or $3,000 for a weekend, inject them with the vaccine. And then some of the patients we would inject with the, they would inject with the virus. And then we would see if the virus actually was stopped by the vaccine. Now, we can't do that with COVID because COVID is such a killer. But the point I want to make is that people have to be honest about what the data represent. This is, this is what I'm, this is what I want to bring forward. I, I just want it to be an honest conversation. So if we choose to decide to get the vaccine, we're choosing it with information and not with, with hoax and not with, with people telling us things that are not real. You know, I've heard people say this vaccine works. It's, 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 it's 95% effective. Let, let me tell you something, Dave. When you say 95% effective, when you go to the FDA uh, Pfizer data that they presented to the EUA, they say that it says 95% effective at seven days. <laughs> let, me, let me start over. We're saying we give the shot. Three weeks later, you get the second shot. And then seven days after that, they stopped the study and said, okay, how many people contracted COVID and how many didn't? Not that you exposed them to COVID, just, just because they were in their natural environment. So Dave, if, if someone says, Dave, um, I got 95% confidence that that, that car um, that Ferrari that Josh drives, um, I got 95% confidence that in seven days, it'll still be drive. It, it, it'll, in seven days, it'll still work. I mean, that kind of gives you a perspective that, okay, seven days might be an issue. So after seven days, this thing might not work. And, and my, my point is for this, for this vaccine, when people use the word 95% effective, they never give you this for seven days. So the Moderna, the Pfizer data was, has been now 14, they have 14 day data reported and they have seven day reported. The 14 days reported was reported in a peer reviewed journal. I think it was JAMA. And then the seven day data was what they gave to the EUA to get the approval. They, they're saying that they believe their vac- that the shots are effective at least for seven days. How, how do we make an extrapolation to 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, 180 days, six months, a year? We can't because we don't know. And, and this is the issue. This is, if, if, if you get anything about what I'm going to say, I'm going to say something here. We know from the live virus, Dave, that when you get COVID-19, you only get probably about three months of antibody protection. Your body only protects you 
with the antibodies, about three, some say five, but the studies have shown three to five months. That means after three to five months, you're going to get reinfected because your antibody levels and your immunity has waned off to a point where it's not affected. That's for the live virus. That means you went out, you got infected, you got better. About three months later, you're going to have a loss of immunity and you're able to get reinfected. Now, Dave, that's the live virus. The vaccine, in which I'm going to explain here in a minute, hopefully in, in, in simple terms, the vaccine can't give you any more protection than what the live virus causes your body to do. The vaccine will not be more, effect, more protective. So no one is saying anything because the data that was given to the EUA was only for seven days. We need to see out to 90 days, 120 days before we can say we have a vaccine that is protective because we know that you're going to lose effectiveness. You're going to lose your antibody protection. And so why is that important? That's important because if you lose, if you get injected with those shots and they do provide you protection, we don't have data showing that. But if they do actually provide you protection, then around 90 days, we're expecting for you to lose your immunity. Hmm. So, Milt, uh, I'm going to ask this final question, or at least for now, final question, because I know Josh is brimming with questions. Uh, but then this raises this raises a concern then among many of us who have found Dr. Fauci to be a comforting, credible voice in this whole discussion and debate about vaccines. Fauci has been saying, take the vaccine. What I'm hearing you say almost sounds like if you take the vaccine, there's no guarantee that the vaccine is going to provide you with any kind of certainty about protection. Am I am I understanding you correctly? You're understanding me correct. You know, Dr. Fauci is a great American citizen. Dr. Fauci is a great individual. Dr. Fauci is a great uh, public health official. Um, Dr. Fauci has not said the words that I say because I'm telling you about the vaccine. He's he's wanting to remove doubt and get people where there's already concerns. And the public health uh, agenda is to get people to take the vaccine. So he never said it was going to protect you. He just asked you to take the vaccine. So uh, are are you going to take the vaccine? Um, Josh, I'm not taking this vaccine for the following reason. I'm not taking it because we don't know that it effectively protects you. In fact, every person who's taken the vaccine, which is about 11 million now, I think, and we have over 300,000 or so that have gotten the second dose. But no one will be able to take their mask off. Why? If you vaccinated, you should take your mask off. So it doesn't it doesn't protect you, and, and it's a, 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 it's a it protects you from the disease that actually kills you, not the virus. Is that not right? Um, do we have data for that? 
That's the, point I, that's the point I was making. They made that assumption, but they made mm-hmm. that assumption based on people who were wearing a mask who got the vaccine. That, that, they never were exposed to, to the virus. No, no, no I, I was under the impression that in the in the testing phase of this that we went through uh, there, which, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the testing phase was not truncated, correct? Uh, what do you mean by truncated? Well, the the, the, the the testing phases were not shortened. Oh, the, yeah, te- what was shortened te- was the production phase. The, the testing phases were shortened to seven days. Okay, so you're saying that on the second dose that that was shortened down to on the efficacy rate of of that after seven days, but that no, but there were they, some after, after some individuals the, that showed after, this after they gave the second dose, they actually went seven days and then stopped the experiment. So I'm saying well, there the were whole, some people that they showed that 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 this stopped in the disease, this stopped the disease, and those people that were tested. No, who, where where is that data? I believe that data is with the, that's what the data that Fauci was citing. No. Correct? <laughs> no, there's no data like that. How, how could the, it the, stop disease when it doesn't, you never were challenged with it? So you're saying in all of these tests that nobody ever tested anybody that had the disease? I'm saying no, in all these tests, no one exposed people who got the vaccine to COVID-19. Uh, the, the thing that the FDA website says that it was confirmed that COVID-19 occurring at least 14 days after the second dose of the, of the vaccine was 94.5% efficacy rate. Okay. That's what I'm saying. That's, just, that's, a, that's the same. That's the same exact thing that I'm saying is that there was two data sets. One was seven days and one was 14 days. They, they gave you the shot. Three weeks later, you got the second shot. And then 14 days, they stopped the experiment. None of those patients in that trial were exposed to COVID-19 intentionally. They were, they were given a shot. I mean, I want you to listen to this. They were given a shot and then they were asked to go back home and wear their mask. Mm-hmm. If you look at the report, no one in those studies were challenged. What they measured was when they went back home and 15,000 people, did anyone get COVID-19? And they had people who got the vaccination and got COVID-19 even in that group. Mm -hmm. Uh, It it was my understanding that the people who who got the COVID-19 disease uh, in that group, they were kind of in between uh, where, where where the vaccination was supposed, the vaccine was supposed to become effective. No, no data. There's no data for that at all. Like that's what I think. I I do think we need to say one one thing. I'm sorry. I do think we do need to say one thing is that there is there's also no data that this is unsafe in any way. That the 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 vaccine is unsafe for people. So on safety, on safety, they looked out two months for safety, and so safety is relative, Josh. Um, we've probably had over 150 to 200 patients have Bell's palsy. Um, Bell's palsy is a debilitating disease in patients where you lose control of one side of your face, you drool, you lose your eye, you can't talk. Um, I mean, that's not a big number, but considering 
considering we only have probably 300,000 people that have had both shots. We've had about 11 million that have had one shot, but we don't, we don't have, you know, half of the people haven't been, not even half of the people have gotten a second shot. But, but the point is you get Bell's palsy. We've had 50, I just found out two days ago, there's 53 death reports to the, to the, the adverse event registry. Now, now I'm sure that, that the new administration will, will, will un, will unearth and, and unmask the reporting and the reporting will become transparent. But there, 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 there's been, there's been a, about 53. Now I was up until two days ago thinking it was just the doctor down in Florida who died and a couple other people who died. But 53 people is significant. 53 people have been have been in the adverse reaction uh events. Where, where where is that? I'm sorry. Where 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 is the report for the 53 people? Go go type type in you got your Google right there? Just type it in. So so let me let me jump in here uh Milt um because I think um the 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 standoff here, I think, with with you and Josh, really comes down to um, an underlying question that hasn't been asked yet, which is: assuming the worst case about the vaccine, we're left with a dilemma as a country. What would you say, as a as a as a physician and as a scientist? While while Josh is is doing the googling you just talked about, what would you say? How would you say we should have proceeded? And then what would you say we should be doing now, in order to be as safe as we can be? So so David, that was a great question. What I thought we should have done was continue the studies that we had the fifteen thousand people with the with the with the injection right they got the first two injections we should have continued out to 6 months and monitored those patients then we would know if those patients had immunity that was that that overlapped over what we know about the live virus and the viral the virus not given more than 3 months of protection you know, the virus, when you get the virus and you recover, you got protection. You, you've you overcome the virus. You have antibodies. And so those antibodies go away after about three to five months. It would be nice to just continue the clinical trial instead of cutting it off at seven days and then 14 days for the Pfizer vaccine. And then Moderna's 21 days. So they stopped Moderna's at 21 days. So it, it would have been nice to continue those 15,000 people, monitor them for five to six months, which is not anything. I mean, in, in clinical trials, we monitor people for years. And so to monitor them for six months and then see if we had effectiveness based on that data. And this is the point that I'm raising. I mean, there are many other things about this vaccine that, that if, if Josh wants to look them up, well, I can send them to you. Um, through the in, right now through the internet, but the UK told us, you know, three a, a month ago, any patient who has 
COVID-19 infection, I mean, excuse me, any patient who gets the vaccine that has a medical uh, or allergy, that's the allergy to medicine, or have an allergy that's so, so severe that you have to get an EpiPen, um, you should one, you should not get the vaccine. So we're, those exclu- there are exclusions for people who we know who have severe allergies. They shouldn't get the vaccine. The, Pregnant women shouldn't. I don't, I'm sorry. Uh, they say that about all vaccines. All huh? right. uh, they, all, they say that about all vaccines. All right. If you have an allergy uh, to, to medicine and stuff, you should be tested and you should not get a vaccine just uh, without going into it because you could die from an allergic reaction to that. Uh, uh, also, on the 53, uh, from what I can tell, 53 is a report of deaths total in Illinois that came out last week. I could find nothing that said there have been 53 deaths from this from the from the vaccine itself. I said I can I can see I I could not find anything where it said there were 53 reported deaths from the vaccine itself. Uh, there were there were there was a report of 53 total deaths in all of Illinois uh, last week or earlier this week. It's, it's but okay. It I was can, not. I I can send it to you. It's no problem. I'll send it to you if you couldn't okay. find it on Google. I, I'll send it to you. Yeah, I mean that—that's the only report that used the number fifty-three that I could find, and that—that that fifty-three was used over and over in a bunch of different news stories. But I—I uh, I, I just think uh, I think what we're doing here is pretty dangerous. Um, okay, no, no, I, it's, I, it's I not do. dangerous, I, John. It's not dangerous I, to tell the truth. I, I, I think I, it is I, very I, dangerous what you. what you're telling people. Here. I'm, I'm on your I, and show, I, and I'm but sorry. I, I'm gonna be on your show, but I'm gonna be honest. There's no, there's no. I, I, I don't want you to. And, and, I, listen, I'm not I'm not I'm not asking you not to tell the truth. And I'm not. And listen, I want you to understand, too. I am not in any way trying to tell you that you're wrong or that you need to believe what I believe or any anything like that. OK, I, I, and, and I'm I, I respectfully disagreeing with you on this. But I think that that what we have here. Uh, it are, do we have perfect vaccines for this virus? I, I don't believe that they are perfect vaccines. I do believe that they are safe. For people to take, and I do believe they will show some efficacy in in combating this virus uh, for Josh, the, see, you the people I, of this country. You and I believe you and I are on different on different planes. I can't I can't go on what I believe. I have to go on the data that was provided, and the data that was provided to the FDA was data of seven days and fourteen days, and that's all we have. And and no one in those experiments. Were, were subjected but to COVID nineteen. That's not true. That is true. But that's not true. We Why have we true? have a ton more. We have a ton more data for this. A ton more data. Josh, uh, you, we have, you can you can you can, you you will. I'm willing. You can send me that data to Milton Brown. Lombardi okay. at gmail.com. Uh, we have two month data. We have three month data at this point. No, we don't. Uh, we, have, have, we, have, don't we, have a, we do not have. Two we do. Data. We, we have followed a lot of these people that have given that, that have been given this vaccine. We have continued to follow them. And, and it is Josh, out there. Josh, you're I not mean, a medical expert, so you, you're being I, I know I'm not. Believe dangerous. me, I know I'm not. <laughs> Believe me, I know I'm not. I'm, Josh, I'm not claiming to be have, a medical Josh, expert in any way. I will bet you I will bet you a chicken dinner. I'll bet you a chicken dinner <laughs> if you can show me that there's, that there's data. Josh, I'll bet you a chicken dinner that there's no data that shows any any act any any monitoring of patients for efficacy after mm-hmm. 14 days in the Pfizer study and after 21 days in the Moderna study now there was some safety monitoring but not efficacy okay mm-hmm. and i want you to understand 
you you have to be very careful. You you you're 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 not a medical professional, and you can't opine. I'm I'm reading from the CDC website here, where it says efficacy data for the final scheduled analysis, the primary efficacy endpoint data cut off November twenty first, twenty twenty, with a median follow up of two months post dose. That's so, right. That's a median follow up on safety. Not a medium follow up on efficacy. It, it said uh, efficacy. It says specifically efficacy data. Josh, uh, let me mm-hmm. let me say. I tell you what, get Dave to send me your email, and I'll send you the data, and you can go and okay. read it. I mean, I'm I'm just I'm presenting you what the data is. I'm not presenting you my feelings or my. I'm presenting you the data. There's data I, to I, show. I don't doubt that. Okay, so I, let me. I understand. So I understand me, what, what. Let me what jump in here, Josh, because I know we're about to go. We're probably over on this segment. This is this is a robust conversation. I think this is important. I think it's important for uh, for for people who are intelligent and who are concerned and who are following this to hear this kind of discussion. So, Milton, I'm going to ask you a final question here. Um, in lieu of taking the vaccine, if you're saying that the vaccine is not something that uh, should be taken at this particular time because of the the litany of things you cited, what are you saying the solution is? What should Americans be doing at this point? Well, we got to know. We first of all, we have to do the studies correctly, Dave. This is the right. problem. Okay, got to do the studies correctly. If we're going to do these studies. We have to do these studies for a length of time that shows sustained protection, okay. not seven-day protection, not 14-day protection, not 21-day protection in regards to Moderna. Okay. So we have to do these studies, and we can't truncate the studies. Okay. Second of all, the masks work, Dave. The masks have been effective as, at helping us to, to, to protect ourselves. Masks social distancing, washing our hands, and testing so that we can isolate people who are asymptomatic. Those things have actually worked until we actually bring together. I, I don't. I think it's going to be a therapeutic that actually brings it home for us and takes us across the line. That means the, the virus, I didn't get a chance to tell you how the virus works. It's not the virus that kills you. It's the downstream cytokine reactions that come out from the virus um, causing you to have this inflammatory reaction that kills your lungs, your kidneys, your, it affects your heart, your head. And so it's, 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 it's stopping those downstream uh, sequelae with a therapy that will also protect individuals from having severe cases of COVID-19. And there are many clinical trials that are underway to bring those kind of therapeutics forward. This vaccine that we're taking, we don't know that it actually works. We don't have antibodies. We, we got to give those people who we've given the vaccine, check their antibodies in three months. We got to see if they have protection from the, from, the, from the virus in three months. But we need those studies to be done. And, and I'm saying for people who choose to take this great American experiment, and not, or maybe, maybe I misspeak, it's great worldwide experiment because it's, it's more than just America. For us to take this experiment, we should be very clear that you're taking something. I'm not saying not take the vaccine. I'm saying but take it knowing that you may not be protected. Take it knowing that you're doing something to help science. 
not to not not for us to say take this vaccine and you'll be protected. But oh, by the way, one month from now, please wear your mask because the vaccine doesn't protect against viral entry. Please wear your mask because the vaccine doesn't protect against viral replication. Please t- wear your mask. If you're going to wear the mask, if you're taking the vaccine and you're wearing the mask, that, that that's kind of counter counterintuitive. I'm not saying not to wear your mask at eight days and nine days or 14 days after you get the second dose. You're going to have to wear your mask continuously like you didn't get the vaccine. That's what I'm saying. And I'm saying we're not going to take these masks off based on the vaccine. That That's the issue. We're going to be able to take these masks off if we can achieve herd effect sustained immunity. And that's going to be the bottom line at the end of the day. Can we get 260 270 million people uh, with sustained immunity. That that's going to be the the goal that we have to achieve. Having a very robust discussion with Josh, uh, Josh, you know he attributed uh, a Ferrari to you. I think I, <laughs> I think know, he's I, probably going to well, take it, that back now. Yeah. You probably. No, no, if he'd actually give it to me, we we can make a, come to an agreement on this. I attribute it to Josh because you know, it, it, look, it, we all can 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 try to drive a nice car. <laughs> <laughs> Whether we agree on the vaccine or not, we all can drive a nice car. <laughs> I'm going to definitely get you um, Josh's email so you all can. Continue this to, this debate offline. I think yeah. uh, Josh is because yeah, that's that's what I need is someone else to argue with online. No, no, uh... I, Josh, I'm not I'm, I'm not here to argue. Really, I just give the fact. In fact, I'm gonna send this today. Day forward to Josh. You can read through the, the information. I, I don't. I don't. That, listen, I don't doubt what you're saying about that. At, at whatever you have there, I'm saying that since then we we have more data than that. Uh, and and I'm uh, you know and I. I have looked at this uh, from a number of different perspectives on here. I don't think this is a perfect vaccine, but I do believe that some things have been sped along, uh, not the not the safety protocols, not the safety measures here, and not the studies themselves, but I do believe the production methods have been sped along uh, in order to get this, this vaccine out to people. I do believe that some long-term studies that may ordinarily go into some uh, medicines uh, of all sorts have have been skipped over in the interest of public safety in trying to get people a vaccine that that will that will create some sort of normalcy in life again. Uh, and I believe that there is nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with taking this vaccine and continuing to wear your mask, because I do also believe, in addition to herd immunity, uh, if we can reduce the spread of this virus down below uh, is it 0.1 percent, then that also will begin to kill off this virus. Hmm. Serious thoughts, sobering thoughts uh, on which to end this discussion, I think. Dr. Milton Brown with George Mason University, my longtime friend. Milt, thanks, man, and good to see you, brother. Good to see you, Dave, as well, man. You look prosperous and hope to hear from you again soon. Hey, just wanted to take a second to uh, thank the AFL-CIO 
for their support of the podcast here at Alabama Politics this week and really thank them for all that they do for us and for the workers all around uh, Alabama. Uh, the Alabama AFL-CIO, which you can find at ALAFLCIO.com. Again, that's ALAFLCIO.com. Uh, go to their, their website. Uh, they, they do great work uh, at helping you organize, uh, teaching you about the benefits of a union, uh, teaching you about how to how to go about filing grievances and everything else that goes with with being a union member and especially in this time when COVID-19 is so prevalent and um, you know a lot of workers are having problems with uh, precautions not necessarily being taken or getting relief uh, that they need because of wage losses and job losses go over there to the website take a look at the reports that are there take a look at the guidance that they have uh, utilize some of those uh, some of the fine people that are working at Alabama AFL-CIO uh, and, and take advantage of, of what a union can bring. Uh, and that's especially true if you're working at a place that does not necessarily have a union. Uh, I think you can read, uh, read all about that with the, uh, with the folks working at Amazon currently uh, in this state, and you can see the benefits that kind of come along with being a union member. Uh, again, that's A-L-A-F-L-C-I-O.com. A-L-A-F-L-C-I-O.com. All righty. Welcome back to Alabama Politics this week. Uh, well, that was lively. Um, uh, you know, it, uh, you know, well, <laughs> uh, you know, me and me and the, me and the doc disagree a little bit on the, on the vaccine. I, I just, you know, to be clear, I, I just think that I understand, uh, where he's coming from, uh, on some things, uh, being a, a scientist in that sort of field, uh, and, and watching some of the norms that he, he typically deals with. Uh, be adjusted uh, because of a unique situation that we're in. Uh, I just, you know, have, having read, you know, because I'm I am planning on taking this virus, uh, this vaccine, so I've read quite a bit about it, and I just feel like um, at absolute worst here for ninety nine percent of the population, uh, you are talking about um, the thing maybe not having the efficacy rate that you want it to have, that you would still be susceptible to the COVID-19 virus, um, which is, even if it's reduced well below the 95%, you're still looking probably at a vaccine that is far more effective than our normal flu vaccine that we give out every year. Um, and and probably about as harmful uh, as the flu vaccine uh, to you, uh, which is to say, not that harmful. Pretty pretty doggone safe. And I I just feel like if we're going to do this, we ought to we ought to do it and and get everybody. I understand the hesitation from a lot of people and a lot of communities, but given what's happened in in the past, uh, I just you know I I disagree with him yeah, on, the, on on where we are. Yeah, I don't think he's talking about the past, though. He actually didn't bring yeah. the social, political, mm-hmm. uh, or at least not the social stuff into it at all. I think what right. he's saying is that the information uh, that this process has been so truncated and compromised by the rush to get it out that we don't actually have enough data to really determine whether or not it's as safe as we think. And we certainly, at the very least, don't have enough data to know whether or not 
its effectiveness will generate what um, what we would hope for. Mm-hmm. So people should take the vaccine. Those who choose to take it should take it, you know, understanding that it's not, you know, it, it's not going to be um, a panacea. I mean, it, it may well, uh, you know, it may well not deliver uh, to the degree that we would like and think. Um Mm-hmm. You know, and right. but, but I don't think know. that that's necessarily unlike uh, unlike unlike uh, several other vaccines that are out there. But uh, and, and I'll, again, you know, I just I, I know what I've read from things and I, I do not have the degrees uh, that Dr. Brown does. And, and, and so I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend as though I'm a doctor and I'm not even going to play one on this podcast. Uh, but I, I just know that from from reading about. What, what has happened and what's happened with the different people that have taken this. There have been some allergic reactions, including one that, that did cause uh, death. Uh, you know, the, the 53, again, people that he mentioned, I, I can find no reference to that anywhere. Uh, but I, I just think that that's a, uh, you know, I, I think that when you ever you have this sort of thing, especially when you have a virus that has killed 400,000 people, um, you know, when uh, we we've, we're trying to figure out pretty quickly some way to combat that. Uh, and if you're if you're I would say don't let the uh, uh, don't let perfect be the enemy of good uh, here. And I think that that's where my argument with Dr. Sure. comes in. And I and I and I then I get that. And I'm not even going to disagree with that. Uh, but I think people should be fully informed. And I think that's really his bottom line. It sounds like he's really just saying. Be fully informed and give people the opportunity to be fully informed. And in the meantime, also do the requisite work that has to be done so that we can maximize the potential for the vaccine. Though it also sounds like he's saying that window may have closed. Ah. Yeah, well, I, like I said, I, you know, yeah, and really, for, you know, go out and uh, there's plenty of sources out on the internet for for you. Uh, I mean, legitimate sources. Not I don't wind up in a 4chan chat room somewhere or whatever and uh, talking to crazy people. Just you know, go out, find the uh, you know the CDC stuff and uh, and the actual medical stuff and and take a look at what's there and read through it and uh, you know and and talk to some other uh, medical professionals out and you know just do, do your research. Figure out. I mean, you're gonna put it in in your body. Figure out what's in it uh, there and figure out what what's going on and make your own decisions uh, the best you can there. That's uh, that would be my uh, uh, my advice to everybody. Um, so uh, we have a uh, we do have a couple of other uh, things. Speaking of the virus, our our mask order has been extended uh, in the state. Uh, Governor K. Ivey extended that. Uh, they also then talked about uh, ways that they're going to try to roll out this vaccine uh, uh, further to people uh, by partnering with uh, Walmart and some other folks uh, to try to get it out because they've done a pretty terrible job at this point. Uh, so that. Uh, Hopefully we we will we will can we will sounds get that like thing they out had the, like they're developing a plan is what it sounds like yeah how about that how about yeah. that a plan hmm. uh, only eleven months uh, in yeah. this. Um, so right on schedule for us uh, and also um, I wanted to uh, to touch on this um, there was another lawsuit filed mm-hmm. uh, this week the day before inauguration day in which uh, Democrats were you know rightfully. Uh, very jubilant over what the the change of things in the world. Um, And this lawsuit was filed by the same people that were fighting within the Alabama Democratic Party 
A couple of years ago, uh, when we had the changeover that removed Nancy Worley and and Joe Reed from power and and placed it in the hands of of Chris England and the kind of the reform caucus of the Alabama Democratic Party, and the arguments are all the same, the players are all the same, uh, the fight is all the same, and why we're having it again, I can only speculate, is because we have just recently moved removed Tom Perez as the as the head of the DNC, and there's going to be a new uh, person, Jamie Harrison from South Carolina who's going to head up the, the DNC. Uh, and so I am assuming now that, that Doug Jones is no longer in office and you don't have that pull, uh, that the the old faction here of Joe Reed and some of his cronies uh, believe that they may have an end somewhere to to fight this thing in federal court. So they have filed a federal lawsuit which challenges uh, the, the change in bylaws. Uh, those bylaws, of course, introduce new... Uh, minority caucus members. Uh, they claim that that minority caucus introduction uh, diluted uh, the power of the black vote within the uh, executive co- uh, committee and that that is illegal according to a 1991 consent decree. Uh, this is the same argument that they made in state court and the same argument that was tossed out of state court um, because the new bylaws go towards what the party, the national party dictates should be a focus here, which is inclusivity for a number of different groups. And when you say minority, you are no longer referring only to black people here. You know, there are a number of different minority groups that they wanted to recognize and are recognized in most other states, Democratic Party bylaws. And that Alabama was well behind the times in doing this. And by doing so was giving Joe Reed immense power <laughs> to basically hand select the, the chairman of the Alabama Democratic Party, which he did repeatedly in choosing Nancy Worley and some others in, in the past. And so that came to an end. He's not happy about it. They want to change it back. And so now they filed a federal lawsuit and we're back to Democrats fighting Democrats again. Well, I think it's uh, I think it's valid to raise concerns about whether or not, uh, considering the history of our state, considering the history of the Democratic Party, and I would even argue the present reality of the Democratic Party based on comments that have been made by Democratic officials, I think it's quite valid to examine whether or not uh, the Democratic Party is functionally uh, mitigating or undermining the ability of black people who are the backbone of the Democratic Party to have requisite influence in what happens. I think that is, I think that's a fair examination. Now, are they, is it valid? Is what they're charging valid? I don't know, but I think mathematically you should be easy to figure that out. So well, what I would say math, is what I would say is let's look at the numbers yeah. uh, in terms of who's who's, you know, what the voting ratios are as relates to black people and others. And and let's look at the the construct of the party and let's look at the numbers and the, what do the numbers tell us? The numbers ought to be able to dictate that pretty easily. Right. Well, the numbers are not good for the plaintiffs uh, in this because by doing what they did. Uh, in changing this up, they actually uh, introduced a higher percentage of black voters within the the, the Democratic Executive Committee. Uh, it's just that 
some of those black voters are not in the old Alabama Democratic Conference. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, they're not so part is, of that vote. So what they're, you're saying is some of the them young be, people. Right. Yeah, uh, they, right. Yeah, they're part of the young people. They're part of the gays and lesbian group, the LGBTQ uh, groups. Uh, you know, so they the, so there are more because they didn't keep in mind. They did not. The, the percentage of of the folks in that group of the uh, the Democratic uh, Conference group, uh, the old black caucus uh, there, they didn't change that at all. Uh, it's still representative of the of the number of black voters uh, in the state. They just introduced these other groups there that now have standing uh, to be in the conference. So it allows more people in the conference. So and then part of that is they, you know, uh, also, you know, there there are well a, a lot of young black people that wanted to be part of this thing. Uh, as a matter of fact, one of those young black people uh, that was part of that is the guy who is currently slated to hear uh, the, the case, uh, he's the son of, of judge, federal judge Myron Thompson. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> uh, obviously I think, I think, uh, judge Thompson, uh, who has really saved Alabama from itself a number of times, um, is probably going to recuse, uh, out of this and which would be just grand to then leave the decision for the future of the Alabama democratic party in the hands of a Trump appointed, uh, Republican judge. Uh, so, you know, that's great. Uh, but you know, listen. There, to me, to me, I don't know what you're fighting. Okay, I, I, I don't, I don't understand what you're fighting here because, it, let's say you're successful as Joe Reed, uh, uh, you know, and and you get back in there. Well, the the Democratic National Committee has already made its stance pretty clear that you're in violation of their bylaws and they're not going to support you. Um, so. If you're if you're not going to get support from the national party, and you're going to have to rely on donations and other things from the state here, uh, and you already know that those people, are, the majority of those people, are turned off by your leadership, as you can see by the pitiful state that we were in prior to this takeover here. What are you doing? Yeah, they're they're valid. They're valid reasons to be concerned about a return to. Uh, the leadership, the prior leadership. Uh, you know, in fact, I would argue that during the 2018 election, there was, uh, it was awfully strange that you had, um, you know, Democrats who were, uh, vigorously competing for, uh, you know, for a role in this state, you know, to be elected in this state. And yet the state party at the end of the election cycle had several hundred thousand dollars left over. I can't remember what the exact number was, but it was it was over three hundred thousand. I believe it may have been as much as five hundred thousand. I can't remember. And when I learned that, I remember thinking that makes zero sense, um, you know, uh, because it, it gives the impression or at least it gives me the impression that, you know, we left opportunity on the table, we should have been where we could have done more advertising. We could have done more street level grassroots organizing, you know, with that money. So why, you know, what, what good does that money do if we haven't won any statewide office? Okay. We've got 500,000 or 300,000, whatever it is in the bank, but we don't have anything to show for it. So there's no question that, that, that it was valid and it was important 
to to scrutinize what happened then. And the leadership absolutely needed to be held accountable for that. Uh, now, the thing that concerns me, I'll just say this quickly, is that I think, while I certainly, I'm going to go on record here and say, I support the change that occurred in the leadership of the Democratic Party in the state of Alabama. But I do not support, I absolutely do not support uh, some of the attitudes and some of the rhetoric I've heard as it relates to Joe Reed. And the reason I say that is that while people may not like his approach or his personality, his tactics, whatever it is, the bottom line is Joe Reed has been an important part of the legacy of the state of the Democratic Party, and especially, I think, in times where black people and the black people's and black people's role in the Democratic Party was extremely undervalued, extremely undervalued. Uh, so uh, I think that 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 and, and I continue to say, and, and if you've noticed, Josh, every time we've had Chris England on here or just about every time I have asked him about this situation with Joe Reed, because I think that that there needs to be some kind of effort made to ensure that Joe Reed gets the respect that he's due, even as they continue to usher Joe Reed out the door. Respect him. Usher him out the door. You know, nobody needs to have a hold on power forever. Joe Reed is not a young man. You know, I think we absolutely need younger leadership. Uh, I absolutely think some of the tactics of the past are not effective today. Uh, I absolutely think there has to be accountability for the failures, the political failures of the past. But usher that man out the door with some respect. As we like to say in today's nomenclature, put some respect on his name. Well, and, and I think you and I mostly agree on this. Uh, you know, I will say, you know, having some inside knowledge of this, there there were various overtures to to Joe Reed and to and to Stephen, and uh, and I think that uh, that we, we, you know, there there were some things that that really went on behind the scenes, and to the point where this lawsuit surprised a lot of people. Um, they felt like this um, was mostly uh, in the past, uh, that they were moving forward. They had gained a lot of ground with a lot of the old followers of Reed and that group that were angered by the takeover, that they had pulled some of those back into the fold. Uh, they had gone out of their way to help some of those people in, in various races uh, over the over the last uh, few months. Um, and, and so, I, you know, I'll, I'll say this. I, Joe Reed manages this party or managed this party in the later years as though it were the party that he took over, uh, you know, in, in the seventies and eighties and into the nineties. And which is to say that it could afford the petty vendettas and, and things like that, that he took uh, great pride in, uh, you know, in, in beating somebody, uh, you know, and I, one I always go to is his fight with John Knight where he squandered thousands and thousands of dollars to beat John Knight uh, through a pack there in Montgomery, a, a firmly secure Democratic seat with a firmly, with a firm Democrat that has always been on your side and has always, you know, been, been with the party. Uh, we, we've, we fought over that for, no, you know, while the Republicans were were increasing their supermajority, you right. know what I mean, and so right. that sort of thing to me 
is what the what is what the downfall was. And then to compare this party and where it was to the party in in Georgia, even five or six or seven or eight years ago, and the strides it was making and the way they were handling their business and the people that we lost to that party in Georgia because they saw that this party was not going to be willing to do that. Uh, matter of fact, the, one of the people responsible for that party in Georgia and the successes came directly from Alabama, from Montgomery, uh, and and is over there now handling business. And so that's what I'm saying. I, I've, I just feel like this is such a waste. It's such a... Uh, it's such a step backwards. It, it doesn't help anybody in the long run at, at all. It, it you know, and and that and to your point on on respecting him, I feel like that was being done. I feel like there were a number of things that had been done over the course of the last few months to say, "Hey, we respect the hell out of you, man. Uh, I'm sorry this happened, but listen, can we move forward?" And and include you and include your your people and include what's going on here. And it just feels like that was. Just shoved aside, and, and you know. Well, we it may lawsuit. be that it that, that the slugfest will just have to continue. I hate to see that, yeah. but I do know that yeah. um, you know, as you've indicated, yeah. this is not the path to victory. No, it's what, not. It's not. A, you know, uh, I tell you what, it's a path to victory. Uh, is the one that our right wing note of the week took this week. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, our boy Ed Henry, (laughs) our boy Ed Henry, who, uh, you know, was indicted, convicted, pled guilty uh, to to a number of charges there. And uh, I think actually ended up pleading guilty to one charge, uh, but was involved in a a Medicare scam uh, up here. And, uh, you know, it was clearly guilty of what he did. And then somehow or another weaseled himself a pardon out of America's most corrupt president last week. And, uh, you know, from what I was, Henry was was finished with his serving his, his sentence of uh, probation and stuff, I believe. And so there was no real, you know, benefit to him other than this wipes his record clean. Uh, and now there's, there's some, uh, there's some, uh, debate about whether or not he can hold office again, uh, which. All right. <laughs> Ed Henry can hold office. Well, again. I mean, I, is it possible that he could win office? I mean, I mean, you know, do you think it? Are you kidding me? You think it's in this possible? state, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. In this state, yeah, North Alabama, where, yeah. Um, if hey, if they were dumb enough to elect Ed Henry to begin with, they're certainly dumb enough to to elect convicted Ed Henry. Wow. Okay, hmm. yeah, yeah. Well, I know for him, the key word seemed to be when all was said and done uh, was vindication. He felt like he'd yeah. been vindicated. I'm thinking. How have you been vindicated when you've been convicted? You haven't been vindicated. You know, you just had your, you just got the hookup, man. That's all you got. Yeah. You got the hookup. Yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, I mean, it pretty well admits guilt in, yeah. in saying that he needed the pardon. Yeah, exactly. You know, so that's that's basically an admission of guilt. That's corroboration. You didn't ask for permission to do what you did. You got forgiveness that's for right. what you did. Exactly. Basically. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. All right, we went way over. We're way long this week, so our little gift to you. Uh, but you know, we yeah, it inclu- and it includes a nice argument. Yeah. So you know, hey. So. <laughs> uh, but that's uh, that should probably do it for us for this week. But we'll uh, we'll slide out of here. We'll be back in a week, and uh, until then, I think y'all guys should be safe out there. That's right. Peace.